0: Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. So we're going to do that. We're starting this brand new series called Pray First, and uh, I know that this is an important topic for us as Christ followers, but this is actually the topic that I get asked more questions about on a regular basis because I think... We are so concerned about doing it right that that we actually don't pray because we're like, oh, uh, did did I say it right? Like, does God just talk in King James language like these and thou's and thine's and is that the, because anybody ever heard somebody pray that way before? Right, and you're like, oh, is God like from the 1600s? And and then if if it's not, those words, like what is it? Like, how do I address him? Oh holy sky daddy, is, is that the right way to do it? Come on, don't act like you don't have questions about prayer. And we worry, did I do it long enough? Did I say the right things? Did I speak did I offend him? Am I supposed, is like, is there like uh, things I can say and things I can't say in prayer? Uh, the answer to that is, uh, there's, you can say anything, God, you want to, by the way. The Bible is full of people saying whatever was on their little minds to God. You know what I'm saying? There's a whole book called Psalm that's full of it. David just just unloading on God. Can God handle my anger and my emotions? You betcha. And so it's important that we talk about Prayer. This is, this is like the, the lifeline that we have to God. Our primary way of getting to know him is spending time with him. Prayer is talking to God and having him talk to us. And so that's what we're going to talk about in this series. We're going to go five weeks on this topic. We're going to explore what prayer is. We're going to talk about how you do it. We're going to talk a little bit about spiritual warfare, right? That'll be the the fourth week in this series. And, And then we're going to talk about how to really enjoy it and get the most out of your time with God and your relationship with him. And in addition to getting to know God through prayer, I need you to know that there's some beautiful things that God promises us, his people, if we are willing to pray. So, I'm gonna go to 2 Chronicles. This is uh, chapter 7. This is not, uh, this was not initially in my notes, so it's not gonna be up on the screen. All the other verses will be, I promise you. This was a fail on my part, okay? But it's still in your Bible. So, if you're taking notes, it's 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14. And the way this is set up, this is God speaking to his people, and he's just described in verse 13 an undesirable situation. There's famine, there's unrest in the land, and God says, on the heels of that, he says, then if my people pause who are his people we are his people that's right okay just wanted to make sure you're on the page then if my people who are called by my name y'all know we're called by his name that that when we become or we get into relationship with God through Christ we get adopted into a spiritual family it's like whatever our last name was it ain't that no more See, I was, many of you don't know this about me, but I was adopted as a young kid. I was born James Aaron Ferguson. Well, my name is James Aaron DeLong because I was adopted into a family and my daddy gave me his name. Okay, that'll hit some of you a little later, I think, right? But, but you, get, you get new DNA. You get put into a new family with new culture, with new values, with new rules. It's life-giving. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Pause. Listen, I think this is the primary reason why we don't pray especially in this Western civilization here in America. We are proud, proud people, and we've been taught since we were kids that we are supposed to learn how to do stuff on our own, that we are supposed to figure it out, that in our own strength, we are supposed to carry our own lives, we're supposed to figure out our marriages, we're supposed to figure out our relationships, we're supposed to figure out our parenting, and we're supposed to do all of that on our own strength. But the Bible says, and that's pride, by the way, That's pride that refuses to ask for help. Today, if your marriage is in trouble and you aren't finding any help, that's pride. Today, if you're struggling in your relationship with someone and you're not getting any help, that's pride. We have to humble ourselves and say, I can't do this. And that's hard for us to do. There's three things that are difficult for us to say. I'm sorry. I need help. And wash your sister's sauce. No, that's not how you say it. I just, I don't know how to say it. We're, we're just, see, y'all are just trying it. Where's are just, I, wheres are just sister's I'm sure I just put a whole bunch of word letters in there that just aren't there. Let's wash your sister sauce. There you go. Wash your sister sauce. All right, unpause. But he says, if, if you're willing to humble yourself, if you're willing to turn and say, hey, I, I don't got this. Hey, I need you. If you're willing to humble yourself and pray, and watch this, not only seek him for what you need, but he says, seek my face. You know, this is my life's, my number one fear in life, is that people value me for what I can do for them, but not me, myself. That they don't value me as an individual. This is my, one of my core fears, my life story, that I worry about this. And this is something God has put out here and said, hey, me too. I don't want you coming to me like I'm a vending machine when you need something. He's okay when you do that, but he also wants you to come to him because you like him. Because you're in a loving relationship with him. Now, you say, Aaron, does that mean I need to ask God how his day was? If God had a day, I'd say, sure. <laughs> All right. Setting the pace for how this is going to go today. But he says, seek my face. So pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Hold up. No, I'm, I'm all right. I'm, all, I'm out now. <laughs> Listen, some of us, we just need to realize that being in a relationship with God means that we've got to turn away from some other things in order to fully experience him. Right? He says, turn away from your wicked ways. He said, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. That's a promise that if we're willing to humble ourselves and pray, seek his face, turn from our sins, he'll forgive us, he'll hear us. Is what he says first, and I like that. Many of us just need to feel like on a day-to-day basis, we just need to be heard. And God's promises that up front. I'll hear you. Anybody ever been in a conversation where you say something to somebody and they look back at you and they affirm, heard. Lainey does that. She's our next-gen pastor. She does that. I love that. I'm thankful for that. It lets me know, heard. Oh, makes me feel good. So God said, I'll hear you, I'll forgive your sins, and I'll restore your land. All this stuff that's going on in the world around you, I'll start taking care of all that stuff. That's his promise to us if we're willing to pray. That's why prayer is so valuable, guys. Not only do we have an opportunity to get to know God, but God's like, I'm going to start making everything in your life right. I'm going to do that, and he promises. You say, Aaron, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about what if what, what my land needs to be healed. Are you kidding me right now? Okay, so I'm talking about like your little world, but how about just look at our country for crying out loud. Look at what's going on. We live in a fallen world, and the enemy is on assault all the time. He is assaulting manhood. He is assaulting womanhood. He's assaulting marriage and parenting, sexuality. He is assaulting the family unit. He's trying to destroy anything and everything that God has ordained. He's on the warpath. We need some healing in our land. Amen, everybody? We need some healing. And I'm telling you something. I'm not being political, so do not put me in a political box right now. But I'm telling you the next thing that is coming, and that you can see it in the way that they are talking about it in the world and on the news, there is an assault coming on your religious freedom very soon. In other places in our country, to speak the truth that is found in God's word is being identified as a hate crime. A hate crime. It's coming, but I digress. I think what we need now more than ever is a revival. We need a return to a right relationship with God, and we need it desperately. But there's never been a revival that wasn't carried on the backs of prayer. Never been one that has ever happened, and that's why I'm teaching this series. Now, in addition to teaching this series... We're also going to enter into a season of prayer where we're taking what we're learning and we're going to put it into practice. We call it 21 days of prayer. Now, Tim mentioned it in the announcements. Here's the dates for you. It starts August 6th. We say, Aaron, we're talking about this a couple weeks early. That's right, because I want you involved. I want you to plan. I want you to prepare. I want you to be ready to join us because I think when we pray, God's going to show up and heal our land. So we're going to pray, and I'm asking you all to get involved in it. And we typically, we do this twice a year, and I'll talk about the first time in a moment. But we do this every August because the summertime is busy. It's hectic, right? And a lot of us have spiritual disciplines, and a lot of us have a great relationship with Jesus. However, the summertime schedule gets hectic. Kids are out of school. We're going on vacation here in Ohio. This is the only time we can get out on the boat and the lake and do certain things because it's finally warm enough to do that, right? So, so everything's thawed out, right? And so, so our lives get hectic in the summertime, and the habits... And the disciplines we had in place before kind of go to the wayside. It just happens because vision leaks and people drift. That's the way things go. So I call people to return to a habit of prayer every August, and that's what we're gonna do. Because you all know this as well as I do: that we form our habits and then our habits form us. We we set these habits in place because we know that they are beneficial. And we need to return to a relationship with God through prayer. So I'm, what I'm asking you to do is, if, if you're not doing it already, is to join us specifically in this 21 days and commit to praying every day. And here's how we want to be part of that for you. The first thing we want to do is, is we've got videos that are going to go up Monday through Saturday. where Some of our pastoral team is going to talk to you about a specific prayer focus. We're going to give you some scripture that speaks to that particular focus. In, in other words, what we're praying about that day. And then guess what we're going to do? We're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. That video will go up every day. If you've got the Church Center app right there on the front page, you'll open it up and bang, there will be the video by 7 a.m. every morning. You can watch it anytime time throughout the day, okay? But you can, you can watch that video. It will also be on Facebook. I don't recommend you be on Facebook, but I'm just telling you, if you're on Facebook, it will be there too, okay? Now, so you can join us online every day, and then on Sundays at 9 a.m., we have a prayer room right back here in the back of the building from 9 to 9 30. That room is open, and it's a self-guided time. You can come in for five minutes. You can be there for the full 30 minutes, but make it a priority. Get in there and pray spend some time with the Lord. We've got we've got uh, prayer targets and focuses on the wall, so you don't have to come in there with an agenda. We've got one written out for you. You can pray for our city leaders. You can pray for our president of our country. You can pray for our city. You can pray for the needs here at the church. We've got them all written there for you, so you can pray. Spend some time praying. One other way we want to partner with you is something called our Pray First Guides. Now, these are printed booklets that we have that have prayer models in them actually have prayers written out if it's your first time and you just want to read a recommended way to pray you can do that because I'm not telling you to just pray those words but we have those they're here and they're available in fact if you want one throw your hand up my host team's got a handfuls of them they'll just pass them out so throw your hand up and get your hand up high also if there's an app called pray first in your google play store or your app store you can download that and it it has all the same content it's just digital uh, and then it also has, like, music playlists as well to assist you in your prayer times. So keep those hands up high. They will distribute those as quickly as possible. But but, but my main goal, my main goal in this series, we want to resource you with all these things because we want you praying. Right. I don't want to hear the excuses of, well, I don't know how. I've given you a resource. I've given you a resource. So be here for this entire series, and then make sure you grab one of those Pray First guides and plan to join us. You can start praying immediately, but specifically in these 21 days. We do 21 days, by the way, because it takes 21 days to form a habit. And I want that habit in your life. So here we go. Let's get into our content today. That's, that's what I'm inviting you to in this series and in this season. But today, my main goal and throughout this series is to teach you one idea, one concept that I hope will become uh, a, a motto, a mantra for you, whatever you want to call it. And is simply this. That prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. It means that whatever it is you are facing in life, you should pray first. That you should absolutely pray first. That before you go to work, you should pray first. Before you send your kids off to that danger box called a school, you should pray first. Oh, come on now. Somebody should, I should have been hearing some some better amens than that. How about before you send that email or before you type out that text, you ought to pray pray first? Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Before you ask that girl out, because she might be Cray, so you need to pray. And all the men said, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to help somebody today I'm just trying to help you before you get that cat you ought to pray and the Lord will tell you to get a dog instead (laughs) before that big meeting you got to pray before you make that financial investment pray before you make your plans for the year including your vacations pray we ought to pray The problem is is that most of us make decisions for our lives, and we make a mess of things, and then we invite God in to clean up on aisle six. You don't know what I'm saying? We do all we can do first, and then we invite God's plan, his provision, and his purpose into it. This is backwards. It's absolutely backwards. The first thing you've got to know about prayer isn't really about prayer. It's really about who God is and what he's asking for from us. In fact, it's about understanding that by God's very nature, he has this thing called a priority of first. And it's why we as a church need to pray first. There's something powerful about First things, isn't there? We all understand this. We like to be the first one to get the new piece of technology or to have seen the new television show or to heard the new song. We like coming and sharing it with somebody like, dude, did you hear this? And you're like, yeah, I heard it months ago. He's actually my buddy, and he texted it to me before it ever got published on Spotify, so I, I done been knowing. Right? Like we like to be first because there's some honor that comes along with being the first, isn't there? And God says, that's something I need. So if we go to the first book of your Bible and go to the first page of that book and we go to the first sentence you're going to see a first. It says this in Genesis 1:1, In the beginning, everybody say it with me, God. Yeah, there's a first. Like before there was a world, before there was time, before there was anything here, the earth was without form and void. It was just empty. But before all the stuff, it was God. He was first. He was first. This has to become a focus of ours. This has to become a value that gets ingrained in us, a God-first priority in our lives. It must be put into our value system that in the beginning of our day, God, in the beginning of my marriage, God, in the beginning of my dating life, God, in the beginning of my parenting, God, in the beginning of the meeting, God, he has to be first. What would it look like? If God was in the beginning of everything, for most of us, God is part of our lives, but he's not the center of everything. And God, by his very nature, demands to be at the center of everything, Kind of like the sun is at the center of our solar system. It's the biggest thing. And everything revolves around it. Or maybe like in your living room. What is everything in your living room pointed at? The television, right? So that every seat in the house is a good seat. And you can clearly see the TV to know what's going on. Let me tell you something. God wants to be the TV in your living room today. He wants to be the center. And he wants everything in your life to be pointed at him. This is who God is. This is what he wants from us. He wants to be like that in your life where everything's pointed at him. He's the priority and he's the most important thing in your life. He doesn't mind that you have other things that you care about. He doesn't mind that there are activities in your life. He doesn't mind. He doesn't mind that there's a long list of things. He just doesn't want to be anywhere other than that first spot on the list. He doesn't mind it. In fact, By God's nature, he refuses to be anything but first, the priority. And I think if you'll learn this and you'll come to value this and put it into practice in your relationship with him, it will change your life immensely. We see this principle all throughout Scripture, starting at the beginning of the Bible in one of the very first stories. And it's about two guys named Cain and Abel. These were sons of Adam and Eve. And it says in Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So Abel is a shepherd, and Cain is a farmer. It says, In the course of time. Now note that. It doesn't say that at harvest time. It doesn't say when he plucked his first apple off the tree. It means that he harvested, held on to stuff, divvied it out, fed the animals, fed the family, and that at some point in time when he realized how much he was going to have left over, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord in the course of time. But Abel, watch this, brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of the flock. In other words, Abel didn't wait to see if he was going to have hundreds of baby lambs. He brought a firstborn. He said, God, I'm going to honor you first. I'm going to give it to you first. And watch this. It says, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Let me tell you something. If you want God to look with favor on your life, which, let me tell you something, that's what you want. A moment of favor is worth years of work. You want God's favor on your life. But he requires us to embrace this principle to get the best of who he is and his favor in this way. You say, Aaron, does this mean that if God's not first in my life, I can't go to heaven? No, I'm telling you, you'll go to heaven. I think you can have a relationship with God. You're just not going to have the best of God. You're not going to have the best relationship and all that he has for you. I'm your pastor. By the way, if you don't have one, I'm in. Hi. And, uh, And I want that for you. I want you to have God's best in your life. I want you to experience everything that Jesus paid for you to have. That's the truth. I want it for you, and I'm encouraging you to go all in. So today, I'm going to give you three principles around this subject and four very practical things that you can do. And and, and I'm just going to invite you into them, all right? So here's the first one. Here's the first of those three principles. And I've already said it, but you need to write it down. God must be first. This is not a suggestion. I'm not telling you, you know, if you'd like to, this is something you should try. I'm in no way going to be timid about it. God must be. Be first. He must be. He refuses to just be in your life. He requires that He be the priority relationship. But some of us, God doesn't come first. For some of us, our careers come first. Some of us, money comes first. Some of us, family comes first. And that sounds really good, doesn't it? People get tattoos, family first. I've got one on my arm. This is in Hebrew, it's mishpacha, but it means family. I value my family, but not first. Sounds good, but that's not right. We, we value our stuff first. We've got hobbies. We've got boats. We've got things we like to do, sports activity, kickball. We've got a team <clears throat> called the Buckeyes that we love a lot. Some of you will scream louder for them on game day than you will on a Sunday morning for a Lord that saved your life. And them boys on the field never did anything for you. Some of us prioritize those people More than we do our relationship with God. God's there with you, but he's just not first in your life. And God doesn't tolerate that. And here's why. Because God put you first. He put you first. In fact, Exodus chapter 20, this is again in the Old Testament. I'm showing it to you here because it's all throughout Scripture. But here's God putting us first. This is Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. And it says, and God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery pause this is a type and shadow so this actually happened god delivered the israelites who were enslaved for 400 years but what god is doing in real life for these people is a prediction of what he would do for us when jesus would come is that he would set us free from the law of sin and death from the slave uh, from the slavery of sin in our lives, because every single one of us is a sinner, and every single one of us has a price to pay for our sins, and it is eternal separation from God. There's nothing we can do about that, but God made a way, just like he did for the Israelites, to deliver us from the law of sin and death, and he gave us Jesus. In fact, in John 3 16, it says that God gave his only son. That means it was his firstborn. Yeah, that's right. He went first, and it says, the Bible says in, in the rest of that verse that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. God went first. He did it first for the Israelites. And as a result, what he says to them is, hey, listen, I did this for you. And because I did this for you, I get to say the following. You shall have no other gods before me. That's not a suggestion. You shall have no other gods before me. He put us first by giving us his first and his best for us in Jesus. And then he said, I must be first to you. And this is the covenant relationship he's made with us. There's no other choice here. He doesn't care if you have other loves. You just can't love those things more than him. Jesus actually reinforced this, and this is a controversial verse. But in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciples, you want to follow me, you want to hang with me, you want all that I've got, you must not a suggestion you must by comparison by comparison hate everyone else your father and mother wife and brother or wife and children brothers and sisters yes even your own life otherwise you cannot be my disciple you see now hang on a second Aaron can we push pause because that don't sound right He just said, I need to hate everybody. No, what he said is that by comparison, let me go ahead and break it down for you, all right? What he's saying here is that you must love me in such an extreme way that by comparison to the way that you love me, it looks like you hate everyone else. Because the way you show up for me is not the way you show up for everyone else. He said, you must You must. God must be first. He refuses to play second in our lives. The second principle. Here's how he put him first. We put God first by giving him the first of everything. We give him the first of everything. See, God doesn't want to just be your Sunday God. That's not what he wants from you. He wants to be your everything God. He wants to be part of everything that you do. Now, this very principle is mostly taught around the idea of money, but I'm not talking about money today. That's not what I'm talking about. Tithing isn't a money principle. You say, hang on a second, Aaron. I'm pretty sure the tithing is giving 10% of my income and giving it to the Lord. Yes, you know the most important part of tithing? It's that you do it first. It's that tithing must be done first. Not after you paid all your bills and gotten to the end of the barrel and you go, oh, by the way, it looks like I've got 10% left. I'm going to go ahead and return it to God. No, it's about putting God first. It's about prioritizing him. Whew first. Leviticus 27 says, a tithe of everything from the land, everything, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. It belongs to him. He claims ownership of it and says it's set apart for me, for my uses. That's what holy means. God wants to be the first of everything. He wants the first of your day. He wants the first of your thoughts, the first of your words. He wants that. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor God. Because that's what, by the way, giving first does. Giving first, the first one carries honor. It says, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. He don't want your leftovers. He wants your best. and He wants it first. God must be first. We put him first by giving him the first of everything. And the final principle shows how you benefit from this because the first has the power to bless the rest. The first has the power to bless the rest. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. See, if you'll honor him first, this is an if-then statement, then he will bless you with abundance. Years ago, and I tell this story a lot. I love this story, especially around this idea of the priority of first. Years ago, I took my kids to get some ice cream. Tyler and Trent, my sons, they're twin boys, they're, they're... they're, they're not kids anymore. They're grown men. But, uh, uh, um, but we went to Dairy Queen. And, uh, and Tyler's a steady Eddie, man. He gets, a, he gets a cookies and cream blizzard. Anybody like some cookies and cream? That's some solid stuff right there. But Trent, Trent's, my, Trent's my wild card. He wants to try all the new stuff. And there was, there was uh, some Jurassic Park movie that just came out, and they had some kind of Jurassic blizzard. I don't even know. But all I know is it had a bunch of stuff in it that made one pause and go, huh. And he said, that, that one, Dad, that's the one I want. And so I took my sons, who, by the way, could not drive themselves, could not pay for the ice cream themselves. you all following me here? And I took them, and I ordered for them, and I paid for them. I hand them the ice cream, which they had no ability of their own to get. If you all are following me here, I'm making an, a metaphor, a comparison to how we are in our relationship with God. And I give them the ice cream. And Tyler gets into his, and Trent, oh, he's got this new flavor. He's excited, and he digs in, and I'm like, buddy, I want to make sure I get a bite. He's like, oh, yeah, Dad, I'm going to give you a bite of this. This is going to be so good. And he goes to put that first spoonful in his mouth, and I said, no, I want that bite. And it was in that moment that the Lord spoke to my heart and said, and this is what I long for from you, that this is not only what tithing is about, but this is what I'm all about, And I watched my son as his heart was challenged in this moment. His face went from all screwed up to, because he was about to enjoy some ice cream. And he looked at it, and he goes, okay, Dad. And he went, and he gave me that first bite. It was honor that he gave me. You know what? I'll buy that boy ice cream any day that he wants. You know why? Because he honored me. And when he honored me, what my heart wanted to do was bless him abundantly. And I'm a wicked guy full of sin in my heart. How much more will our heavenly father bless us when we honor him first? First. Jesus, again, reinforces this idea. He says in Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom. First. So seek out God's way of doing stuff. Seek out the life he has for you and his righteousness is what it means. And all these things will be given to you as well. First, guys, you want to be blessed. You want to experience all God has for you. You want his favor on your life. and I'm telling you, you want that. Make him first. Make him first. And so today, what I'm going to do, I I got a big ask today. And some of you that only have paying attention said, what did he just say? I have a big ask, ask today. I saw people's necks snap. What? That was hilarious. I knew it. I told my wife, I said, I've got to really enunciate today, but I got you. I got a big ask today, and and I'm just going to put it out there. And I want to be very clear. These things that I'm going to ask you to do are not things you need to do to get to heaven. These are not things you need to do to have a relationship with God. These are things you need to do if you want to have the best relationship with God, the right kind of relationship with God. You'd still go to heaven. But you're not, just not going to have all God's got for you. So, so since I, I want that for you, I'm going to go ahead and ask, for, ask these things. So, so here's the things that, that I'm going to ask you to do, and just know that, that your church leadership does these. We as a church do these things too. And, I, and I'm going to lay it out for you within the context of, of how we honor God with our year, how we honor God with our month, how we honor him with our week, and how we honor him with our day. Those are the four asks. And so I'm going to break it down. And the first one is to give God the first of my year with prayer and fasting. And you say, Aaron, it's not the beginning of the year. This feels like we should be talking about this at the beginning of the year. We do do this at the beginning of the year, every year. But I'm telling you, as a church, we've already done this this year. And what I'm getting ready to talk about, you can be part of in January. I just need you to know that we do this, all right? We give God the first part of our year. And I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on it right now, but I just want you to know that we give God the first part of our year through prioritizing a 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. We do that every year. Now, in in the summertime and in August, we do prayer and feasting. Can I get a better amen than that? We do prayer and feasting. That's what we're getting ready to get into. But in January, we fast. We push back our plates. We deny ourselves some things so we can turn down the volume of our flesh and turn up the volume of the Spirit. Hello? Hello? So that's what we do in January, and and Jesus did this too. He prioritized prayer, and he prioritized fasting long before he ever got into a ministry space, long before he healed anyone or raised anyone from the dead. The first thing Jesus did was he got baptized, which, by the way, some of you all need to do. If you're following Jesus and you haven't done that yet, let's have a conversation about why you're hesitant to do it because it's the first thing he asks you to do. And if he's Lord of your life, it's time to get to stepping to do what he's asking you to do. I'm just being bold today because I love you. But he, he said that Jesus prioritized prayer. The Bible says this about him in Acts 10, verse 38, because of his priorities. See, once he got baptized, the Spirit led him out into the wilderness for a 40-day fast where he was tempted by the devil three times. And it says this as a result in Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. That means he put extra power on him. He put extra power on him to accomplish things he couldn't do on his own. Jesus was fully man and fully God, and yet he prioritized prayer because he knew that anointing would come through that prayer. And it says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. God was with him. I want God with me, and I want God with you. We need him because we can't do what we're called to do without him. In fact, that's been my prayer since the beginning of this church. I said, God, I need you to do something here that when people look at it and see what is going on here, they say only God could have done that because Aaron's a bonehead. It's true though. I am not good enough. I'm not smart enough. My team, they are super talented and intelligent people. We together are not smart enough. We need God's anointing. We need his power in order to do what we do and i prayed god i don't want anybody pointing at us i want everybody pointing at you 10 years ago we started in a funeral home now we in an aldi come on somebody from death to life at a lowered cost you know what i'm saying (laughs) he will yeah he will he will do it yep Listen, I I want that kind of favor in your life. I want that kind of blessing in your life. When January rolls around, make sure you join us. You can fast lots of different ways. You can do a complete fast where you drink only water and and drink juices. You can do a selective fast. You choose certain foods to fast or certain types of foods to fast. You can do a partial fast, which is where, like, I'm going to fast breakfast and lunch, or do the Jewish fast, which is, like, they, they don't eat anything until sundown. Uh, and then and then they go to bed and the next day they started over again so there's partial fast and then there's a soul fast turning off television turning off the news turning off social media turning off the podcasts that you listen to and all the all the influence of the world get a soul fast man you'll feel better uh, in fact you don't even have to wait to fast just go ahead and get off social media altogether I'm just just telling you there ain't, there ain't nothing real out there listen every day the majority of us, I'm going to guess, wake up with our phones in our hands because it is our alarm clock. We see that we've got 10 notifications that somebody posted something on social media. And the next thing we do, we're sitting there scrolling for the first hour of our day. And I'm telling you something, feasting on social media and on all this crap that's on the internet all day long and starting our morning with it is, is like eating Twinkies all day long and expecting to be healthy. There's nothing real in a Twinkie. Look it up. It is science. It is just engineered crap offers you no value at all. And I'm telling you what, social media is the same way. Some of y'all are like, man, you coming hard on social media today. Yeah, I am. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't know what to do with him today. <laughs> you don't have to wait until January to fast. You can do it anytime. In fact, our missions team, which is leaving here uh, next week, they are on a 21-day fast right now. They felt it's so important. And they're fasting. Why? Because they want anointed and they want to walk in power when they walk into Honduras to minister to these people. So we choose to do it at the beginning of the year. We give God the first part of our year. The second thing is give God the first of your month with your tithes and your offerings. You say, Aaron, how does that work? Tithing's not a New Testament law. You're right. It's not. But it's a principle that's found all throughout Scripture. Jesus even validated it in Matthew 23 when he said, you should tithe. It's there. Can't argue with it. It's the words in red. But tithing, what it means, if you've never heard of it before, it means a tenth. God made it a percentage so that everybody could play. Because if you made it a dollar amount, some of us might not be able to do the same dollar amount as everybody else. But he says, return 10% to me and do it first. It requires trust in order to do that. To believe that God can do more with 90% than you can do with 100%. And he says, return it to me and honor me with it and do it First, I call tithing, a, the idea of it first and 10. This is a football terminology, but every single drive on that football field is about first and 10. Every play that they make, they want to get to a first and 10, right? So it's first and it's 10. Tithing is that. But, and, and here's the thing. If it's not first, it's not a tithe. It's a 10th, but it's not a tithe. So before you pay anyone else, before you pay your bills, you tithe, you give to God first. The point isn't about the money, by the way. The point is about your life. Because your money, by the way, represents your life. Do you know how you earn that money? Because you exchanged your time and your talents, your creativity, in exchange for money. It represents your life. And God says, I want you to trust me with all of it. Tithing teaches us something incredible. In Deuteronomy 14, it says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God in first place in your life. There it is. Plain as day for you. That's why he says, return to me. And by the way, if you'll, you'll never know the blessing of tithing until you do it. In fact, the only pl- this is the only place in scripture God says, I want you to test me. He says, I want you to test me. Test me and see if this works. For me personally, I'm going to tell you, my wife and I, we put out the paper. We set out all our bills. We could not afford to tithe until we just decided we're going to do this and see what God does. Funny thing about that. funny thing we started tithing and all of a sudden we had extra money at the end of the month and that was really confusing to me because that shouldn't be that way you say it was just like magic no I'm going to also tell you that my wife and I had to tighten our belts and say no to a few things so that we could say yes to the right things and that was to honor God but I'm going to tell you at the end of the month we were blessed and we've continued to be blessed. We've been on a trajectory of being blessed. Listen, I'm not just talking about financial blessing. I'm talking about a peace that passes all understanding. That We used to sing a song, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Like we look for opportunities. God, I want to trust you because trusting him means that I know you in a deeper and an intimate way. looking for one? There's one. We want to trust him. You'll never be able to tithe until you just do it, until you choose to do it. Here at Simple Church, we tithe on every dollar you give us. 10% of everything you give every week goes out first, gets set aside first to be given away to missionaries, church planning, outreach efforts. We do it We plan to do it, and we execute weekly. Why? Because we believe in this principle. We believe what God said in Malachi 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's God's house, by the way. That there may be food in my house, and test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That means you're going to have to be a blessing to other people, because that's what God does. He blesses you so that you can bless others. He people just get close to you and bump into you. They just want to rub up against some of that blessing you got. Mm-hmm. He said, I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's right, says the Lord Almighty. Listen, I have laid hands on a vehicle and said, Lord, you promised me that my stuff ain't going to wear out. And my car kept running. I'm going to tell you the day that I gave it away to someone else, it broke down. I was like, well, maybe you should be a tither.' You say, that's not real. Yes, it is. I don't know if that was the causality of it. I'm just saying, that's what I chose to believe in that moment. I was like, Lord, kept this thing going. Passed it off to someone else. It was dead within two weeks. I was like, dang, all right. I was glad I blessed somebody with it not sold it. You know what I'm saying? Since <laughs> then, watch this then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. You want a life that everyone will look at and scratch their heads and go, How in the world did you get so blessed? I want that for you. I want your whole life blessed. So test God and see what he'll do. Give him first and ten. Tithe. You'll never know it until you try it. Here's the third thing I'm going to ask you to do. Give God the first of my week with consistent church attendance. Boo, and you're going to love this next one. And a true Sabbath. A true Sabbath. Now, I'm going to talk in a few weeks. i got a whole message called Take a Day Off that I'm going to talk about the importance of a Sabbath. And I'm going to break it down and help you understand your need for rest. But a Sabbath ultimately is a 24-hour period that we choose to celebrate God and all that he has done, believing once again that God will do more in six days than you can do in seven by trusting him and choosing to rest. The Sabbath is so important. He put it in the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What is the Sabbath? Well, God gave us the pattern. In the beginning, in Genesis, when he created the world, he did it in six days. and On the seventh day, it says, God rested. He rested. He set a pattern for us. We have seven days in a week. So I'm, I'm asking you, be consistent in your church attendance. Not just Sunday service, but give him the whole day. Give God the whole day. Trust him. No, no work-related stuff this day. Some of you, you don't even realize you're working all the time. It's so easy. Through, through laptops we bring our work home and now we've got these little rectangles in our pockets called a smartphone and it's just made us dumber because we continue to work all the time answering emails and text messages managing groups and communities and different things God's like chill out take a break for me on my Sabbath my Sabbath is on Thursday because Sundays I'm here working y'all <laughs> but my Sabbath is on Thursdays and you know what I don't do on my Sabbath I don't do chores that means that the rest of my week I have to plan accordingly because if I need something on my, on my Sabbath day, I'm not going to do laundry. I'm not paying bills. I'm not answering emails. I'm not responding to requests for counseling. I'm resting because I'm trusting God will manage whatever is going on in the world that day. Trusting. Now, I'm not perfect. I, I try my, heart, my hardest to fully rest if you see me on a Sabbath and I'm spending time with you on my Sabbath, it's because you are a person that doesn't drain me. You are a person that restores me and adds value to my life. That's who I choose to be with. I eat good meals. I take naps. Come on, somebody. Get into your Bible. And Matthew, Jesus slept. Good Lord, He took a nap in the bottom of a boat. Who in the middle of a storm. Some of y'all just need to sleep in the middle of your storm. That's what you need most. You don't need to pray another prayer. Jesus is already with you. You just need to take a nap. Try it. Stop loading up on so much dag on caffeine and get yourself in a position to take a nap. It might be 30 minutes. It might be four hours. But bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Come on, somebody. Oh, that's within me. Bless his holy name. That's it, my friend. Eat a good meal. Enjoy time with family and with your spouse. Sabbath is supposed to be a weekly festival. It's a party to celebrate all that God's done for you. Take a rest. Take a true rest. Believe God with, with, that He can handle everything else. So get yourself to church. Connect with God. And when you get here, don't sit and watch everybody. Worship. Throw your hands up. Sing. Praise Him. Clap. Tell Him how good He is. Worship the Lord. Celebrate all He's done. And spend the rest of your day and restful, restorative things. Amen, everybody. Jesus did that too. Luke four sixteen says, On his Sabbath, he went to Nazareth, where, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He found himself in church every Sunday, y'all. Well, their Sabbath was Saturday, but ours is on Sunday. It was his weekly habit to go to the house of the Lord. You know, Harvard did a study about this stuff. It was studying marriages. And you know that, that the average marriage, it's, it's one out of two marriages end in divorce. And Harvard's like, what do we do? What are the successful marriages doing? So they did this big study, and and they found that if you want to increase your odds from every one out of two marriages that will end in divorce to every one out of 1,246, that's a huge leap, by the way. That's a massive increase in odds. They said, if you want to do this, the study and the research Harvard found was that there's three things to do in your marriage, you want to increase your odds? You want to stay married? Attend church, discuss the Bible, and pray. Those three things. Oh, that just sounds too simple. Yes. Yep. It is. Almost always. So simple you'd overlook it. But it's what their studies say are true. And I'm not asking you to do something you'll hate. I'm asking you to get your life connected with God and make him a priority. If you want to experience the benefits of your relationship with him, these are the ways to do it. And here's the fourth ask I'm going to give you. Give God the first of your day with your with word, worship, and prayer. So we honor God with our year by prayer and fasting in January. We honor God with our month by tithing. We honor God with our week by going to church and having a true Sabbath and a rest. And then we honor God daily through word, worship, and prayer. Jesus did this. It says in Mark 1, 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. David, the man who was after God's own heart, did this in Psalm 5. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. What are they doing? They're praying first. They prayed first. So I'm not asking for you to get up and spend hours on end in prayer. Most of you don't have that kind of time. Most of you, the speed at which your life moves, it just would not permit that. But what I am asking is for you to make prayer a priority. I'm asking you to give Him some time and to do it first. Not at the end of the day when you've got nothing left. That's not what, God will talk to you at the end of the day. That's not my point. You can talk to God throughout your entire day. But he's asking you and he's asking us, and it's a way to honor him by talking to him first. By honoring him. Giving him our first and our best. We talk about it this way and a simple way to understand it is the first 15. Give him five minutes in the word. Some of you that's just reading, reading a, a daily verse, a Bible verse. You can get on this app called YouVersion or go to Bible.com and you can subscribe to a verse of the day. They will have it in your email boxes whenever you want it. And you get up in the morning, you open that up and you read the verse of the day. And you think about it and you meditate on it. And then you talk to God about it. That's the next part. We talked five minutes in prayer. We talked to God about what we just read. We talk to God about whatever's on our hearts talk to God about our day, when we invite him into it. And then the, the, the last five minutes is five minutes in worship. Worship literally means worthship. We are adding worth to something. And so we, we express God's worth. What does he mean to you? How much do you love him? What's the value you place on him? Let him know. It's important that we express our love and adoration to God. Five minutes in worship could also be just singing a song. Could be playing a song. Could just be that you sitting there telling him how good he is, how faithful he's been to you. Worship. It's five minutes in the word. Five minutes in worship. Five minutes in prayer. I promise you that if you'll do this, you'll do these four things. Your relationship with God will explode. So go all in. Give him the first part of your year. Give him the first part of your month through tithes and offering. Give him the first part of your week. Get to church. to have a Sabbath and a rest. Give him the first part of your day. Pray. Connect with him. Talk to him and listen. Spend some time in silence. Go all in and make God first. Your life will change if you'll make him first in everything. So let's make sure we're praying. Join us in the 21 days of prayer. Join us every day but let's make sure we do it first and make sure that prayer is our first response to everything, not our last resorts. Amen, everybody? Let's pray. Well, God, I've left it all out on the field. I have done my best, and I've given this ask, and I've invited them in, and now it's your turn, Holy Spirit, to do what you promised me you'd do, is to work in the hearts of the people here in this place. I long to see every single life blessed. I long to see every single life experiencing a full relationship with you that comes on the heels of placing you first. And so God, give us wisdom. Give us insight. Help us, Lord, to understand what it means to rearrange our lives and put you at the center of everything. To pray first. So Lord, help us to do that. Some of us, there's some work to do. There's some things that are going to challenge us. There's some stuff in our lives, some relationships with other people, some relationships with ourselves, relationships with our past, and even our relationships with the things that we love in this life, our pets, our, our hobbies. It's all, all going to have to be laid on an altar. Say, Lord, what do you want? Where does this fit? Help us do this, Lord. As we continue in this moment of prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed, there are some of you in this space today, you recognize your need for a relationship with God and that he's not been first, you've been first. What you want, your way of doing things has been the priority. And today you recognize, I, I need a relationship with God. And if you're ready to have that relationship, you can have it. God knows what you did last night. He's not mad at you. He loves you. If he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. He loves you that much. And today I'm here to tell you, he's not angry at you. He's ready for you. This whole service is put together for you. We exist so that people like you who are far from God can know him. (laughs) So this is your time. This is your moment. Christians, you should be praying for the person sitting next to you. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they need right now. But I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. If you want to be counted on that prayer, set set yourself right in a right relationship with God through what Jesus did. I'm going to pray the prayer, and, and you just pray with me. But I am going to ask you, if you're praying that today, would you let me know? Would you just shoot your hand up? And say, Aaron, that's me today. Go ahead and do that now. Yeah, thank you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's hands all over this room. Thank you. you can put your hands down. I'm proud of each and every single one of you, guys. People are making decisions today. They're joining our family. So, Lord, be with us as we pray. pray everybody pray out loud Cities, these. We say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day making you first. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, heaven's having a party. Come on, Simple Church, let's celebrate with those.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved.